We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Everybody, Steve with Science Fidelity. I'm coming at you with yet another book review. I know you might be thinking, hey, how many book reviews we got in a week? But you should be reading some good stuff. And here today, you might have heard the name Mike Aquilina of the St. Paul uh, Biblical Study Group and the new book, How the Fathers Read the Bible, that book that y'all should be reading. Mike, welcome to the program. Thank you for coming. And uh, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. Ah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So why is, here's a softball, and probably to most people a dumb question, why is the Bible important to read? <laughs> well, because it, because it is unlike any other book. It's unlike a, any other thing on earth. It is the only book that's inspired by God. So God himself is the author of the Bible, the primary author of the Bible, though he wrote it in free cooperation with many human authors. So this is God's revelation. This is something we can know to be true and uh, and we can know to be to be useful uh, in in, uh, in 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 our living, in our everyday living. Uh, God wants us to live the right way in his creation and uh, and this is this is how we can how we can find wisdom uh, for that kind of living. And, uh, and and fulfill our lives, and at the end of our days, uh, find find rest in Him. You always hear about the saints like Bellarmine, etc., that had the Bible memorized. People are like, oh man, these priests, these clerics can do it. I've, I've been doing this stuff on the Holy Face, and Venerable Leo DuPont, it was just a regular businessman, had it memorized in French and Latin, and burnt a candle next to the, his Bible, calling mm. it the face of God. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, memory is a muscle, and uh, and the ancients exercised that, that muscle pretty intensely, and so they did have a greater capacity for memorization than we do. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas would commit entire works of the Fathers, entire works, books of the Bible to, uh, to memory, and, uh, and that's just the way it was. If you did not have access to, 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 to books, uh, this is the way you got access to them, by storing them in your mind. There were no printing presses then. Books were hard to come by. They were very expensive. So if you wanted the innards of that book, you know, if you wanted to have those in mind, then, well, you needed to, to commit them to memory. That's a good one to bring up. A little apologetics uh, one-on-one thing. If someone, because I don't have a lot of that on there, it's not Catholic Answers per se, because everyone else is covering it. Why not, you ask, answer this one? Why, when someone says, oh, the church kept people from reading the Bible because it was so expensive, what was the answer to that one? <laughs> well, the church didn't keep anyone from reading the Bible, and the Bible was not read mostly in the ancient world. Why is that? Well, because most people could not read. So that kind of uh, presents an obstacle to reading <laughs> the Bible. Uh, you know, you, um, you, you, you can't... Uh, 
you you can't read the Bible if you can't read. Um, but uh, what the church did was present the Bible, proclaim the Bible, and uh, and interpret the Bible in the context of the liturgy. So people received the Bible when they went to Mass, and, and this is still true today. When we go to Mass, we receive so much of the Bible every single time. When you go on a Sunday, you have an Old Testament reading, you have a psalm, you have a New Testament reading, and then you have a gos the gospel for the day. So you have four readings from the scriptures, and that's really more than you're going to get at most other Christian uh, churches. You're just not going to hear that much of the Bible. I can remember when my son was in Boy Scouts, and we would have Scout Sunday at all of the churches in town. And at all of those churches, I never heard so much of the Bible as as I um, as I heard at my Catholic church on an average Sunday. So we do get the Bible. The church has always presented the Bible to the people in the way that they can they can understand it, the way that they can receive it, and and the way most people could through most of history is by hearing it in the liturgy, and that's the way the Jews presented the scriptures in the time of Jesus. If you look at the uh, the, the scene where he he, pro, he proclaims the, the word uh, from the, the prophet Isaiah, and then he interprets it in the synagogue when the people are assembled. That's how the Bible was, was relayed through the generations, and, um, and that's how the Bible was written, really. It was written to be proclaimed, not read in a library, uh, not carried in, in your pocket or stored on your cell phone. Uh, it was not written for those purposes. People could not dream of those things, but you know, it was it was meant to be proclaimed in the assembly. We still do this today. That's why you hear St. Paul saying, faith comes by hearing. Was it Romans hearing. 10, 17? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. And if anybody's younger than, uh, well, I guess I'm 42, so I guess anybody younger than 30 probably has never seen a phone book being attached to the old school phones on their streets. <laughs> No one ever yes. accused the state of keeping the phone book away from the people. No, no, no. You had to chain chain books in place because they were so valuable. And bandits would actually steal Bibles from churches and then and then write off and sell them somewhere else because a Bible was was many things. It was a valuable possession. It was a work of art. And you could get a pretty penny for it if you could deliver it somewhere else. Again, there were no printing presses in those days. So the entire books had to be copied out by hand. That was laborious. It took a long time. It was extremely expensive because you had to hire very skilled labor to do it. And back in the days of persecution, it was not only expensive and you had to use these, these uh, rare skills, but it was also against the law to own a Bible. It was a capital crime, and you could be executed it, executed for it the next day if you were caught with the Bible. Yeah, there's the, uh, uh, what is it, the uh, meme about the monk that falls down, passes out at his desk, and the guy, the other monk goes behind him, printing presses down. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So the, this example. book is all about the fathers. Now, uh, again, let's go with the simple one. For anybody that doesn't know who they are, who would be considered the fathers? Well, they are the great teachers of the early centuries of Christianity. Uh, the earliest of the fathers were those who learned learned Christianity from the apostles themselves. We call them the apostolic fathers. And they were writing in the first century and even into the second century for some of the, the older ones, right? Um, so uh, so uh, they, by name, they are Clement of Rome. Uh, Ignatius of Antioch, Polycarp of Smyrna. And again, we know about their connections to the apostles. Uh, 
what's great about them is that they give us a window into how the church operated in the first century and the second century, and we can see how that church is in continuity with the church we encounter in the Acts of the Apostles and in the letters of the New Testament. But we can also see how that church is in continuity with the church we attend today. There is continuity from the, the period of the New Testament to the Catholic Church we experience today. Uh, so the, the fathers are the great teachers. Their writings have been preserved in spite of uh, centuries of persecution. And, you know, they, in spite of, uh, in spite of uh, criminal laws against owning these books, the, 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 the writings of the fathers have been preserved. So they're, they're the, the great teachers of early Christianity. We still honor them and revere them today, and they do give us um, a lot of information about the world of Jesus and uh, and his contemporaries. Yeah, that's pretty, you brought that up. That's pretty impressive that for 2,000 years or you know, maybe 1,700 years, these guys' writings have lasted through persecutions, cities being burnt down, probably libraries yeah. being targeted because you got to go target the writings to destroy the past from them. And yet they still have been preserved. Yeah, right. And they, and they had to survive just the, the aging process because they did not write on acid-free paper. Yeah. They did not write on, on, on any medium that was really made to be permanent. So they had to be copied out over and over and over again over the decades and over the centuries. And people had to treasure these and even copy them out at great risk of their lives. So, so yes, these, these writings of the fathers, the earliest teachers, um, have been precious to the church since the very beginning. I was just thinking of St. Augustine with the, the the burning down the city, and he saved all his books. But I mean, like, did he put it in, like, a backpack? I mean, was he Santa Claus with a big <laughs> half sack on the back, rigging it down? How did he pull that off? <laughs> well, it's it's quite possible that uh, that his reputation was such that he, uh, that, that he, that even the invaders valued yeah. Augustine's yeah. library because he was, uh, he was world famous at the time. So putting together this book on how the fathers read the Bible, what was something that stuck out to you? Like, I'm sure you studied this more than just this book that you went, wow, I did not know that. What was something that jumped out of you that was like slapped you across the face almost like amazingly good? You know, it, 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 it the research brought into relief for me just how early the scriptures were honored worldwide. So when we think about the Bible today, we think about a book, a book, one single book, and everything's bound in those pages. And that's not how it was for ancient Israel. It's not how it was for the early church. There was no clear, fixed, universal canon of the New Testament until the late 4th and early 5th century. Um, uh, you you just didn't have that. What what happened was the books were individually circulated. Sometimes the gospels would all be circulated together, that sort of thing. But but what stand, stood out for me this time as I was doing the research was how early you find a universal agreement that certain books are holy, that they are inspired, that they have uh, a, a, a divine authority within the church because that's already happening in the first century AD. And then by the end of the 100s, you do have a fixed canon of the New Testament, the first list, table of contents, so to speak. Um, we, find, we find one uh, in, in Italy from that period, and it pretty much matches up with what we have in our New Testaments today. 
Yeah, because wasn't it Clement of Rome's epistles considered uh, uh, was inspired or biblical at the time or used in Mass? Well, they were used at Mass, yes, and that is one of the reasons a book would be canonized, because it could be proclaimed in the assembly uh, of the church. So, um, so some churches apparently considered Clement to be canonical or almost canonical. Uh, certainly in the city of Corinth, we know that a hundred years after Clement's death, they were reading that book aloud in the assembly because that book had been written to them. The letter, it's the letter to the Corinthians. So they continued to read it aloud uh, a hundred years later. Uh, so by the end of the fourth century, you find the church trying to make a very clear, sharp distinction <coughs> distinction between the books that are in and the books that are out. Because there were a lot of Christian books in circulation by then, and some of them were very much honored by, um, by Christians. Because they had to get rid of what the Gnostic Bibles were that seem out to be making a comeback in the modern day society in a sense of the at least the mindset. That's right. Gnosticism itself uh, proves to be extremely attractive to people because it's elitist. Everybody wants to feel that he's superior to everybody else, right? Well, Gnosticism gives you that, satisfies that urge for you. You can feel superior to all the people at your church. Um, the Gnostic Gospels, of course, were made up uh, cent uh, you know, a century or more after the death of the Apostles, and, uh, and they circulated during that time. Uh, I think it, it was pretty... by archaeologists and whenever they do it's a big sensation like we're going to learn something new about jesus that's just not true you know they they the gnostics claim that they received direct revelation from god when they wrote this nonsense and most of it is nonsense it's unreadable uh except by by people who are intensely interested in that sort of thing yeah and modern media loves putting out the nonsense just to smack us in the face in a sense they do St. Augustine's famous line of not being not uh, not available to accept the scriptures of want the Catholic Church to provide it basically or say so. Uh, how's that your your chapter on Augustine? How's that come out in that? Well, there's a lot that Augustine wrote about the scriptures and said about the scriptures um, uh, because that was pretty much his his entire life for the last forty years and more after his conversion to Christianity. Um, it is uh, it is uh, true that Augustine uh, emphasized that we cannot have a canon apart from the scriptures or, or apart from the church, because it's the church who has to decide what's in and what's out. Otherwise, you just have these disputes going on for centuries about who's authoritative uh, and you know what books what books have authority within the church. So Augustine said that he would not know the word of God, except that the, the Catholic Church pronounced it, you know, that, that said that these books are in, these books are out. The uh, the last chapter on the Dark Ages, was what was the biggest takeaway that people can get out of that one with, uh, I think you have been uh, Gregory the Great and uh, John Damascene? Well, you know, one is that the world changed, and, uh, and, and they had to, they, the, the fathers of the church, the fathers of the, of the later era, uh, had to had to find new ways of preserving the scriptures, and uh, and and they they did that. I mean, that what they tried to do 
is uh, is gather up uh, all of the interpretations that had gone before because they had a strong sense that civilization was ebbing. Certainly, the economy was plummeting. Okay, and 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 international trade had slowed and almost stopped in many places. So they were feeling this. They were feeling this very intensely that the government was no longer able to to control the coastline or or crime inland even so they um they had a sense that things were falling apart and they had to copy out the scriptures and copy out the interpretations so that these would be uh preserved for the next generation and they would be preserved so uh people were reading the bible wanting to read this book i'm looking at this as the hall of famers are telling you how and yeah. why you yeah. should read this yeah. Was that kind of like the purpose of you uh, putting this together? Yeah, when you think about it, there were millions of Christians who lived during those centuries. And there were probably thousands of Christian teachers during that time. These are the teachers whose writings have been preserved at great expense, great risk, uh, and, and great effort through all those centuries. This really is the cream of the cream. These are the, the greatest of that time, and they give invaluable insights into the scriptures so that you can you can see um, you can see see what's going on in the New Testament in the Old Testament. Um, thanks to the insights from from people who lived in a, uh, a society that was very similar. Otherwise, it's very hard for us to gain an imaginative entry into that world because it's so different from our own. You know, I have electric lights here. You and I are talking across hundreds, thousands of miles because, you know, we have the to do so. The ancient world had nothing like that. They didn't have climate control in their houses. Yeah. You know, they, there, are so, there are so many ways that our world is fundamentally different from theirs. Human nature is the same, uh -huh. but the world around us has changed so much that it's, it's hard for us to, to enter the world of Jesus Christ, the world of the apostles, without these helps. Well, the fathers give us those helps. And it's, um, it's really a great blessing that the writings have survived in order to do this for us. So if somebody was wanting to read about how to become a better CEO, they'd get a book on by CEOs on how to better themselves. That's if they're right. trying to become a better sports uh, a player, they'd read mm -hmm. about Larry Bird or Jordan. So if you're wanting to read the Bible, why not look at the fathers? That's right. That's right. Uh, because the writings are available to us. Uh, they don't really cost us anything, you know, compared to to uh, to what the early Christians had to do in order to read Christian books. And they are giving us these insights that have been selected out and preserved for centuries. Everyone, here's the link for the book will be underneath in the show notes You can get it at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. It's how the how the fathers read the Bible, scripture, liturgy and the early church. Mike, I appreciate you coming on. Any final words? No, no uh, just uh, just that people should be getting into the Bible. You know, I, I, I think that it's improved. The situation has improved over the last few decades. Uh, back then, you know, 30 years ago, people used to taunt Catholics for not knowing the Bible. I think Catholics have beefed up since then, and uh, and that's a good thing. Amen to that. Yeah, I think uh, there was, there was a, someone mentioned it. I can't remember where I heard it from, but... We know more than what we think we know, and they know less yes. than what they think they know. Yes, 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 because we hear it. Uh, we're not used to committing things to memory. We're not used to uh, 
to doing the outside study, uh, or we weren't used to doing the outside study, but now we have amazing resources at our disposal and it's good for people to use them. That's what the fathers would do if they had, if they had access to what we have. They kind of put some, they might not have wrote it, but they put effort into it, right? They sure did. Well, Mike, I appreciate it. Again, link will be underneath in the show notes. Uh, appreciate you coming on again. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. Yes, sir.